1: So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
0: So I'm jet lag, man. I, I, I just, jet lag is real. It's like you get in and you, you know, either way you're screwed. Like if you just go right to sleep and you're like, I can't take it. And then you wake up and then you can't go to sleep till like six in the morning. And then, or if you, if you think you're going to do the right thing and power through it, you still wake up at the wrong time. Like when I got to LA the first time I woke up at four in the morning, even though I went to bed at 11 after not sleeping. And then when I got back here, I went to bed at 6am, 7am. I slept at 2.30 in the afternoon the other day that screws you up you can't go back to sleep. you can't go to sleep at a normal hour if you wake up at 2:30 so last night i got drunk and it uh made it even worse so i'm just trying to power through this and get to sleep tonight
1: yeah we'll make this a quick podcast gearing up before week 1 talking you know going over all the games next week i'm with you not a ton to go over but um how, how is it returning to lisbon otherwise though i get you though and i'm with you in sleep and sleep is like so underrated and i'm a believer in all the science behind it and yeah man it's a it's very important and it can really mess you up if you're off by that big of a time change
0: yeah, it was, cra- it was also crazy because the Andrew Luck news happened while I was on the plane. Uh-huh.
1: so I, uh, yeah,
0: I, I logged on, I checked Twitter, and I was like I was like, uh, wait, because you know by that time, by the time I logged on, it was like all about the hot takes about it, like people criticizing each other's takes about the Andrew Luck thing. so I, so I was like, "What are they even talking about because I didn't know what the underlying thing was, and I was like, "Wait, what?" wait, what happened? And, you know, I started to piece it together. And I was like, holy shit, Andrew Luck just flat out retired.
1: Yeah, no, it was crazy. I was in an in-person draft right before it started. And the guy next to me showed me the Schefter tweet. And I just assumed that he was hacked or, or he fell for the wrong account or whatever. Couldn't believe it. I actually happened to be getting, had Mac as a keeper in that league. But more importantly, I looked at your, your team in the league were in together. And you, you the big news Saturday affected you big time. You had Marlon Mack and Duke Johnson.
0: Yeah. Well, right. The, the Duke, I mean, the Duke Johnson is more positive than the Mac is negative in my opinion. Well, yeah.
1: Well, what are you doing with Mac at Hilton? I think I heard you on XM, but might as well talk it here. I'm definitely more negative than you. I'm worried the most game script dependent back last year. And yes, percent and the line and the, in the offensive line, sorry, the offensive system is, is positive, but a big, big downgrade at quarterback.
0: It's a downgrade at quarterback, but I don't think it hurts. I think it hurts Hilton a little bit just because he and luck had that rapport, but, the problem with Hilton isn't that Brissett's the QB. The problem is that Hilton has never been a high-volume guy. He's like 130 targets, 135 targets. Maybe this year will get 125. And he's also not a red zone guy. So he's going to get yeah. some big plays, but it's just hard to have him in the top 15 anyway. And now, I mean, I had him in the top you know, 12 when Luck was healthy, or when I thought Luck was healthy like oh, a definitely. couple months ago. Yeah. But... You know, it's just, it has to be perfect for Hilton. You know, he has to, it, you really can't count on the touchdowns. It's just yardage mostly because the volume's not that huge. But, I mean, he's really efficient. And then Mac almost doesn't matter that much at all. I mean, they're going to probably want to run more. They're going to probably want to dump it to the backs more. The offensive line is excellent. The system is really good. And you and I have talked about this, but system is everything in the NFL, in my opinion. It's like there's a couple QBs that transcend system but for the most part. You'd rather have Jared Goff in McVeigh's system. Than Aaron Rodgers in Mike McCarthy system. I mean, that's, that's how big system is.
1: Yeah, I, I hear that. But um, I, I definitely have lowered him more. And I think it uh, affects him more. And I, I won't end up with him at all based on my rankings and where he's still going. I mean, maybe they do throw it to him more. They kind of have recently this preseason. And that would be huge. Obviously, it would affect it, it made him less dependent on the games game script. But uh, I'm I'm worried for sure. Uh, and Hilton, yeah, I had him top 10, and now I bumped him down to 20. Right below, below Tyler Lockett, which I was definitely uh, wanted to ask you on. Have you come around on him? I know you've had him buried throughout, throughout summer.
0: I mean, i have him like 30 now. I moved him up just because everybody else was falling. Like, you know, A.J. Green gets hurt, yep. and then, you know, well, yeah. I, I have Hilton ahead of Lockett. Again, I just don't see that he's going to get 120 targets or whatever he needs to be where people are drafting him. They've said <laughs> some positive things in camp, but talk is cheap. I mean, I always go by actions. What do they do when he's having this amazing year last year? They gave him seventy targets. They're a run first team. Wilson will spread it around. I just, I just don't I'd have to see it first. I'm not gonna take it on faith. How many targets do you think Lockett's gonna get?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know that Metcalf's banged up, and I know David Moore's banged up, and I know that schedule just looks awesome the first eight nine weeks. And I, I don't know. He, I get what you're saying. It's very t- difficult for him. No, just give me give me a number. Sustain that.
0: Give me a number of targets. Um,
1: I, I, uh, I, Lockett will get 120 this year.
0: Yeah, to me that would be just insanely high. Baldwin barely got that even at his peak, and he was one of those, but you know, go over the middle and take a hit receivers. Baldwin was a tough receiver. He would go. Oh, first. I think
1: Lockett will play the slot a lot, though. Absolutely, I think they're going to run He'll him out line of the slot. up in the slot, time.
0: but he's not going to go over the middle of the field and take contact the way Baldwin did. I don't think so. Yeah, he's five ten, one eighty two. He's very slight. I don't know. No. Man. Okay. All right. All right.
1: Okay. You remain down. No problem. Um, the, uh, Andrew Luck news though, circling back. And I definitely, definitely think it affects Mac more, seems like more so than the community. I think you're more locked in step. It doesn't seem like people are bumping him down more than like a couple spots where I'm definitely like a dozen spots. hello lower to my origins. Um, Andrew Luck though, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I can probably guess, but, uh, you know, it sucks for his fans, but, uh, you know, obviously good for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, he obviously can do whatever he wants. He doesn't owe anybody anything. He decided he want to play, so he's not going to play. The fans, understandably, if you paid for tickets or you just, even if you didn't pay, or you're just a Colts fan and you have a legit shot at the Super Bowl, finally, you know, and all of a sudden your best player decides to quit, I mean, I'd be pissed too, you know? So I understand why they booed him. And, you know, I don't know. I think that's, that's I understand both sides. I don't, I don't think, like, he has to do anything he doesn't want to do, and I don't think they have to feel good about it. They don't have to be happy about it. Why should they be happy about it?
1: Yeah, no, that that makes sense, and obviously it was the heat of the moment, and that was just a very small sample of the of the fan base. But yeah, it was really really annoying, and basically it's the most shocking retirement since Jordan, right? I mean, twenty nine coming off thirty nine touchdown passes, yeah. one of the three or four MVP candidates uh, would have been would easily be a top five pick if we started NFL draft uh, from scratch today. So just wild, man. It just seemed like something was. I obviously I didn't see a uh, retirement coming, but man, it was just something weird and so secretive about that health issue that I, I can't say I'm shocked that we aren't seeing Andrew Luck right away, but obviously this outcome was quite, quite shocking.
0: Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a big surprise. And, you know, it's a seismic event for the NFL. It's like, as you said, he's one of the top five. If we were to just, you know, throw all the players back and let the GMs draft, he'd probably be in the top five, you know, after, at the end of last season after losing to the Chiefs in the playoffs. Like, you know, maybe Mahomes won Mayfield and Watson 2-3-ish. I think luck would definitely be in the conversation right around there. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. My next one, I want to go more further about Duke Johnson, who you have in the, the beat chrysalis two one that we'll talk about. But so in the sin city showdown the, the Vegas league this year that you so cowardly uh, avoided and, and ducked uh, we did that at the beginning of July and there's small benches. So he was available in the latest fab 14 team league, obviously football fabs different than baseball, you know, you know, it's just whatever you can pick up free agents throughout the week. So anyway, I I love his situation. This is before the trade rumors after he got traded to to Houston. I I it's actually frustrated to me, the the Lamar Miller injury, because, you know, they don't punish those guys that were still drafting Lamar Miller. I mean, I just had him buried in the rankings. I just don't get it. What was the point of drafting Lamar Miller when it's just had no ceiling whatsoever? You know, he did that Wasted your starting spot last year when you had the the league's easiest win loss record against, and now this year they project for the hardest. Anyway, Duke Johnson, I bid a hundred of my fab, all hundred of my fab, and I expected to tie with multiple people. Um, and the next highest bid was Ted Bell at thirty two dollars. So one of these is crazy. What, the room or myself, list.
0: Well, I just want to say, like, what a nutless bid at thirty two dollars. Now that's that speaks even worse of everybody else. At least he was number two, but that is a nutless bid. I'm with you. I mean, 100 is aggressive, but so, so here's what happened. So I was moving up Duke Johnson in the projections. I had him at like 27 or 28 before the injury because I didn't really yeah. think Lamar Miller would keep the job. Me too. And then I was like, all right, I'll just bump him up like 20% because, you know, they're going to get someone. Either it will be Demaria Crockett, that guy, the rookie, or they'll bring in somebody. They're not going to give Duke Johnson 250 carries. So I was like, all right, I'll just bump up Duke Johnson like 25% or whatever. And then I looked at it, and he was like, um, you know, where he is, like 23 or whatever, 22. And then I was like, well, hold on. And I looked at the stats, because it just when, when you do the percent bump up in our system, it just bumps up whatever he has by a certain right. percentage. It still only had him for like 70 carries. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to give this guy 160 carries, because you know, he's going to get like 160 carries, I think. So I gave him 160 carries and 4.4 4 yards a carry or whatever he would get and five rushing touchdowns and then he was running back eight and then I was like whoa 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 <laughs> so then I, then I was like all right I got to reduce the receiving stuff because I was just bumping him up and I guess since he already had good receiving slots stats you just keep bumping him by percentage it's easier than like redoing each stat manually then you know but the point is so I had to reduce him down to like 55 60 catches in order to keep him at twenty, twenty-three, 23 which is where I wanted him but it also but it showed me the upside because I was like he easily could get 75, 80 catches, which is what the, you know, what I had him at when I just did the percentage thing and, and didn't switch it to rushing, you know, bumping up the rushing and leaving the receiving kind of intact. And, but he easily could get 75 catches, easily. There's nobody else there to do that. There's no other running back that they're going to throw to. He could get 75 catches. He's gotten 70 before, 65 in Cleveland. If he gets 75 catches for like 600 yards and two receiving touchdowns, then you give him 160 carries and five rushing touchdowns. He is a top ten back in that case. So that's the ceiling. I mean, that's what you're you're hoping for is that he maintains the elite catch rate, you know, that James White, Tariq Cohen, those guys in terms of receptions, and he also gets 160 carries.
1: Yeah, you know, Bill O'Brien everyone seems thinks is adult, but his has run fast pace and they're always finish among the league leaders except that one year when he had a terrible quarterback. Situation, but yeah. So I moved up Duke Johnson to number 21 on my running back list, and maybe I'm way off base with that, making all this moot. But to me, a borderline top 20 running back available before the season, so you get them all, you know, theoretically the whole season, that's worth your max bid in football. So I'm shocked that no one else matched me, let alone beat 32. I mean, what what nutless monkeys in that league? I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed for that. I mean, that's just it's awful.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, seriously.
1: You know where Duke Johnson finished in yards per touch last season and running among running backs?
0: What, like fifth or something?
1: First, first, second, second over the last two years in yards per touch. First last year, he left Miami as a school's leading rusher. I don't know. I think it's a decent size program. He's never missed a game in college. His BMI is like the 60th percentile. He's like, what is he? Five nine, nearly two ten, two oh seven. Yeah, he's no, listed
0: he's, as? he's not. I mean, he, 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 there's nothing about his build. I mean, he's definitely more stout than Matt Breida or Philip Lindsay or some other backs that are slated for a lot of carries.
1: Bad offensive line, I get it, but man, I mean there's uh, what uh, Kiki Coates already hurt. I mean, and my guy Will Fuller will get hurt, you know, there's going to be targets there.
0: Right. And the the thing that's so crazy is when you really project it out, I mean, Duke Johnson, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, they're all kind of similar. Like they all kind of have a similar skill set. They're all capable of like max I know McCaffrey got over 200 carries, but you know, you look at those guys as like 180 carry backs who catch a ton of passes. Now you'd rather be on the saints probably because the offensive line and the the amount of touchdowns that Kamara gets, but he's kind of like one of those backs, the situation that he's in an elite pass catching back. Who's going to get 150 plus carries. That's like, that's, you know, that's pretty much gold in a PPR league. So yeah, I got him at 23, but I, I could easily see him going like, you know, finishing 12th or 13th or whatever.
1: There's a Graham Barfield uh, tweet about Duke Johnson over the last three years, second in yards per touch, second in breakaway percentage, percentage of carries to gain 10 plus yards, fourth in yards per route and ninth in success rate from shotgun. And I guess Houston runs the fourth highest shotgun rate. So, I mean, man, I don't know. It just seems, seems to me like the, the rest of the room is undervalued. But then again, watch him. Tr- Kenyon Drake's going to go be redundant there and, and, and he's going to you know, ruin both shares there. At the same time. So, you know, there's been a rumor there with Clowney, obviously, on the trade block. But as is, I like where Duke Johnson sits. And you right. got him in the Beat Chris List League. Let's lead us to that. So we, went, we did the draft after we got there. I'm in too many leagues. I forget exactly how it went. But I, one thing I will, will say is I wanted to get the sixth pick to be safe, to get my boy Nick Chubb. And he goes fourth overall.
0: Yeah, I think you're going to get lucky because Zeke's going to return for week one. And you're going to get a guy who's arguably 1.1 at 1.6. Jeff Erickson took Chubb over Zeke in like a pick 11 or something, or pick nine, I think, in, in his league. And I just think if you're in an overall contest, you got to go Zeke. I, I, you, you can, you know, you can like Chubb as much as you want, but.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Elliot, there's no question. about Oh, I dude. That's signed. Oh, I mean, he's I mean, the one on the board. Chubb yeah. is like,
0: you, you need to like believe a lot of different fantasies for it to work. And there's no, there is that's not code for anything. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Elliot, it's just what he did last year. I mean, there's nothing, you don't have to like. All I used to do is show up.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. So I got him at six. Definitely a risk. I had a lot of Le'Veon Bell at pick number two last year, so I'm having flashbacks of this holdout. Ended up with Melvin Gordon in the Scott Fish Bowl. So don't love that situation, but, man, Jerry's going to pay him. I guess it's been real quiet on the front recently, but I can't. Ah, Jerry's going to pay him. Um, then I keep risking a Damian Williams in round two is by far the the most common theme of my draft so far. So that's just, just asking for trouble, especially when – some guy in our league went uh, the combo of Tony Pollard and Darwin oh. Thompson in rounds eight and nine. So both right. my Stab guys on, a, on an end before Stab I could even nuts. counter. So that was kind of funny, though. But I went with four straight running backs, which is kind of crazy, in a no-trade league. But I, it's been my strategy, and Amari Cooper was super right in front of me. So we'll see how that goes. And I, I loaded up on the receivers in the middle of the rounds. Uh, what did you think of the draft? Uh,
0: I think I didn't love my draft, and I don't think I made a lot of mistakes. I just didn't really love how – it fell to me, but the Duke Johnson thing was really a nice boost that I got. Um, I don't like, I guess where you got Damian Williams is fine. I, I, I've, i he, he may be fine, but I actually think that he, and the more I think about it, it and of course I'm just making this up, but I've said this on the radio today. I think Darwin Thompson is going to get like 130 carries or somebody like that. It might not be Thompson, but it looks like it would probably be him. And that, Damon Williams get like 180 or 200. I just don't know that they're going to get a guy with a career high of 50 carries and give him 250 carries. I think he'll get like 180, he'll get like 50 receptions assuming he's healthy. And that'll probably be enough in the Chiefs offense actually and he's pretty good just to like justify your second round pick. He'll probably be just fine with that. But I don't think he has the I don't think he has that massive workload upside. It just seems like there's no reason for the Chiefs to force feed him when they have some other options they like and he's so unestablished
1: in hindsight i'm looking here i see dalvin cook is it went still there i would have taken him maybe um but again i'm loaded with with damian williams too so it's risky guys never eclipsed 50 carries in a season uh but andy Reid over the last five years or whatever it has relied on his rb1 more than any other coach in football but that doesn't mean it's going to happen again of course and darwin thompson clearly looks good but so did damian williams on that wheel route against my niners he's pretty good
0: He's a good player. I mean, he's going to play, and he's going to get used. I just think that it might be one of those Spencer Ware yeah. splitting carries with it's whoever it was. At the it's time. a risk.
1: For sure. For sure. What I, one thing that bothered me just so much about this draft is, just, is that quarterbacks went so late. That, and you got Brady in the 18th round. I considered him like three rounds earlier. And all you had was Mitchell Trubisky, which you waited for in the 14th. Again, this one quarterback lead, you can get away with this. But Brady, his YPA was – I think two full yards better with Gordon and I don't think people have properly adjusted to that possible or all likelihood addition.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was happy to get Brady there. Um, I waited, I played chicken and, and I got some crap for this, but uh, in round 12, I could have taken James Winston. And the reason I was going to get James oh, Winston yeah, yeah. was I had drafted Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in rounds two and three. So I had like the stack going for sure. and I wasn't man enough to take OJ Howard in round four. And then you got him, on the way back in round five before I could get him, but I wasn't going to force it. You know, if it was there. It was there. And I could have taken Howard and you know, I could have got the whole stack easily. I didn't. I took Marlon Mack. It's before the luck injury. But as I said, I don't care that much. Uh, and then I could have gotten Winston, but I got a little greedy and I got Alexander Madison. Uh, who's just, you know, he's just a backup to cook. Who's kind of fragile. And it's, a no, good,
1: that's good upside. Really good upside. Yeah, good, no, good, I think good.
0: there's crazy upside. He's the clear guy yeah. in yeah. round 12. It, you know, to me, it was just the guy I wanted and then I, you know, I was hoping that I would have taken Winston in round thirteen. He didn't make it back, so I took Justin Tucker, the kicker,
1: ahead of your before your first quarterback. That's uh, unorthodox.
0: Yeah, I like the kicker before the QB, but that's how QBs have fallen. I mean, when you still get Trubisky and Brady, I should take the kicker. <laughs> that's the more scarce commodity, the elite kicker, than the solid QB. And you know, I mean, so I may end up regretting not stacking Edwins Godwin, Evans Godwin, and uh, James Winston, but. I like I have Trubisky ranked higher than Winston. I just think he's such a valuable QB in that system and with his running ability. And I just didn't want to... I wanted to get greedy and get the running back. And I was only going to take Winston if he came back to me. He didn't. Got Trubisky, got Brady. You know, I was reasonably happy. I mean, the, the things I didn't really love... I don't know. There's just a couple players that I was hoping would fall back to me and they didn't. When I took Duke Johnson, it's funny now that Johnson's so valuable... I was, uh, you know, I was picking second. So there were two picks at the turn, the guy's picking first. And I was like, I want Duke Johnson and Sterling Shepard. I was like, which one is more likely to make it back? I'm like, I guess Shepard's more likely to make it back since I seem to be highest on Shepard. So I take Johnson and the guy takes Drake and Shepard, both guys that I really like. Huh. Uh, and so then I took Dante Pettis on the way back who has a big ceiling, but I think Shepard's floor is way higher.
1: Yeah. Everyone's down on Pettis. Now that might end up being a good thing, um, for you. But, um, the, uh the, um, oh, I was going to say, so my, my team looks like just a list of uh, pretty much of players that I, I'm willing to reach for, my guys, except for round 12, such an agnostic pick. I get his full PPR. I don't know, though. And I even have Miles Sanders ranked aggressively. But after you took Madison, I thought Jordan Howard, at least according to my ranks, or you tell me, maybe I'm off on of my ranks. I thought that was a, a good, quote unquote, value pick, you know, in, in middle, round 12 now, Jordan Howard on the sure. Eagles.
0: Sure. I mean, if the Eagles are really good and Howard's their goal-line thumper, he, gets, he could lead the NFL in touchdowns. I mean, he yeah, could okay. be, you know, like that LeGarrette blunt role for the Patriots that year. I mean, he could easily have a, a huge year. Probably won't. It'll probably mix and match, and he'll get some of the goal line, and Corey Clement will come in, and other guys will, you know, get involved with the goal lines, Miles Sanders. But, yeah, it's all right. I think Madison kind of has more upside because it just takes one thing to happen, and the job is his. Whereas with the Eagles, you could lose like three guys, and they'd still be splitting it up.
1: Yeah, I know, true, and I know obviously they have a really good offensive line in Philadelphia, but Minnesota, supposedly Madison's looked good too, and yeah, Cook is man, he's been so injury prone, and that team's just going to really want to run the ball. So I'm I'm totally on board with that pick there, and I thought Mark Andrews, you got crazy late. I was just upset I already had OJ Howard locked in. I thought, I mean, I'm Andrews where you got him. And uh, Singletary is another uh, interesting upside guy. Are you, are you finding yourself with more shares of him? Because I, I still don't get the point of, like, drafting McCoy, similar yeah. to, you know, the, Lamar Miller. or Peyton Barber is another example I want to get to. But, yeah, the Singletary I liked, too, you stabbed with, I mean, we took a stab with.
0: Yeah, and who knows the Bills, you know, if Josh Allen is a little bit better, if they block well. I mean, he could be good. I mean, it, there's, he could be really good. Yeah, I, I pretty much am like you. I, I don't really pick the McCoys and Barbers ever. Uh, I understand Howard in the twelfth. He's kind of one of those guys, but it's, it's a lot later. It's just I don't draft a guy who, even if he does stay healthy and keep the job, you're still not sure it's going to be worth it. That's the problem with Lamar Miller. That's the problem with Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber could be the starter all year, stay healthy. And you're still not happy to have him. That's like just not a player you want to draft.
1: We just saw it happen, and it was literally a detriment because you yeah. were forced to use him because it looked like he's the starter getting all the touches, and he hurts you. So like, and then you look back at the year in volume, and you're like, oh, okay, he was the 28th running back, or whatever. That's just so misleading. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I took it to so extreme. I moved up the Dare guy ahead of him on my rankings because I would rather draft that unknown, a guy who can catch the ball and play on three downs. I'd seriously would rather draft him than Peyton Barber. So I don't know. I took that to extreme. I don't see the point of. But do you have any other thoughts on the, this, this league? It was a good, fun draft. I uh, clearly dominated.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, think your t- I think my team's decent, but not great. And I think your team's actually affirmatively bad. So I'm glad we're going to have a bet on this. I also like I got Greg Olson late. I think Greg Olson, it's just he had a foot problem. I mean, he may get hurt again, and that'll be that. But if he's healthy, he's going to get like 70 catches. I mean, those tight ends, they don't, they don't get old, really. They just get hurt. 34 years old is nothing for a tight end.
1: That ever? foot injury's been a while though, man. It's been like four years or something. Well, he it's the Same back, foot.
0: Came back last year. Did he end injured? I don't think he ended the year injured. Oh him. yeah, he absolutely did. Oh, he I did okay. the <laughs> Playoff push. Yeah. He, All right, I can and, remember. I and and like, the problem, problem is, is now. he's not restricted the, now.
1: When he was putting up those numbers, though, he always had just pretty much garbage at wide receiver. Now he's got you know emerging DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I just he's think got, the touches will go way down. To McCaffrey, the boat, you know target monster in no, the backfield, but, he's a no, distant fourth
0: now. No, but but. First of all, Samuel and D.J. Moore are nobody yet. They're enticing, it's not like DeAndre Hopkins is there getting 170 targets. There's nobody there, there's two guys who look like they could be good. And Sir Curtis Samuel's been hurt a lot. And then you've got McCaffrey, who's gonna get his, but it's a running back, so his, you know, he'll get 110 targets or 120 targets probably, but he's not gonna get 150 targets. And then, you got really no third receiver. I mean, who is the third receiver? Jarius Wright, Chris Hogan? So, I think Olson, the, the opportunity is there for him. And plus, Cam got, likes him and trusts him.
1: I got Goddard and Gerald Everett after him. I like I have them both ranked higher than Old Man Olson. But yeah, go after the old man. It's fine. We'll Goddard up. upside. Everett. I like Everett. Really like Everett. Uh, he's come on decent. They're going to run more two tight ends this year for sure, man. I'm telling you, the Rams are going to be different. He'll see the field more. I like him as a late, late. I like Jordan Thomas. I like a lot of. It's a lot of interesting. Late tight end. there's a bunch of guys for yeah, getting sure, Greg, and, and, and Greg Olson is not one of them. But
0: uh I agree, man. He's I think Greg Olson, uh, Olson, uh, no, Olson could have a good year. All, uh, all he's gotta do, right all he's gotta now. do is stay healthy. You wanna bet Greg Olson versus one of those guys? You Gerald Everett versus Greg Olson?
1: Uh man, that's more upside versus
0: No, let's forward. just do let's just do um yeah. top ten sure, tight I'll, end. They gotta be a top ten tight end. PPR. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Hundred bucks because it's not likely. It's likely that neither one will be. PPR, yeah. Top PPR 10 helps. PPR tight end, 100 bucks. All right, I'll do that. Greg Olson PPR. versus Gerald Everett. I mean, nobody comes up with bets like this on pocket. I mean, do you think anyone in the history of humanity has ever bet on specifically Greg Olson versus Gerald Everett? I, I
1: highly, highly, doubt it. highly doubt it.
0: It's amazing. And the history of humanity. Well, the thing about history of humanity is before this year or last year, that, that wasn't even a thing. So, you know, in the last two years. Yeah, it's
1: true. You know, there, yeah. Are there more people alive today, or than there were dead total, or what was the stat I you thought, once? I thought from?
0: I thought that was true, but it is not. Apparently, more people have died than are currently living.
1: So you're not doing any more drafts, I think I heard, man. I signed up for the Silver Bullet in a prime time, man. I'm out, I'm going big this year trying to uh, do some high stakes. You're not you're not doing any of those, you absolute nutless monkey? I thought you would have learned, I, I,
0: I you learned your lesson from losing so much money to, over these years, but apparently no, no, not. No, these
1: are just investments. Come on. These are just putting money on late. Uh, these are just – I can't wait to see the return on these. Come yeah, on. You know, I know what, what, I, I'm too
0: busy stacking sats. You know what staff, what staff uh,
1: I know you are. Right. Yes, I do know. And I all am right. myself. Maybe not as much as you, but a yeah. little daily here, you know, 20 bucks yeah. daily here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Good to know.
0: Yeah, so I've, I've got one more league. It's tomorrow. I think you're probably in it the Wavos League, the Brad Evans League.
1: Oh, nice. You're in that. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, nice. We're in one. Okay, I think that's the only one we're, we're, we're in other than the B Chris. Look, an auction. Okay, cool. Nice.
0: So we're in that. And, um, and let me just tell you right now money is no object for Jimmy Garoppolo. Just when it comes to there's no, there's no amount I won't bid to uh, disappoint you and not for you not getting Garoppolo.
1: Yeah, Talk about it, well, That'll lead me to my next segue. Yeah. Cause yeah. man, people are just, people are rating the preseason so highly know, in my I opinion. Know. I can't believe it.
0: Anyway, continue. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that'll be five. That'll be my fifth league. I'll have two online NFBC. I'll have the Brad Evans league. I'll have the stake league and the FSGA league I did in June and that's it. And that's by far the fewest leagues I've had probably in 15 years, maybe more. But I think I'm all right with that. You know, we got the super contest. I'll have a couple of survivor pools. I'll have my other spread picking pool. I got my columns where I care about, you know, doing well, you know, staff picks and whatever. I don't think I need more. I, I think just, I just keep cutting out things in my life that are, you know, that are just not necessary. You know, fewer leagues, fewer things to do. More time, I don't know, more traveling, more freedom to uh, think about things. It's just, it's just my life's better. I, I could like load up on two or three more leagues. It's exciting to draft, but then you've got these leagues all year. I think five is enough. I think five will be a good amount.
1: Football is easier, though, in fairness. But, yeah, that, yeah, that, is. Is all, that all makes sense. It's fine. Um, and you're probably going to take your money and run, I assume, if you're going to win the overall in uh, baseball, too. So you might as well. Quit while you're ahead. How are you doing, by the way? On that, what's the, the weekly update?
0: So I'm in fifth overall right now, and I made a couple mistakes. I picked up Adam Plutko and Homer Bailey, and I used Bailey. I wish I actually used both and sat Soroka, but it's hard to sit Soroka how he's been pitching.
1: Was Bailey against the Royals?
0: Yes, but he's got a second one at Yankees, and Plutko yeah. was again was at the Tigers, and then he's the second one at the Rays. Now no. Bailey overall probably has a harder slate, but he's been really good on the A's and. I was like, Plutko doesn't strike out anybody. But what happened was Bailey only struck out four. It didn't look that great against the Royals. He got the win. But Plutko flat-out dominated. Had nine Ks in like five innings. Got a win. Had, just had a better outing. So I was like... And now
1: Bailey has a tougher upcoming right. one, too. And,
0: right? and two on of the, the five teams, teams ahead of me have Plutko. They used him this week. So I noticed yeah. that afterward. I was like, ooh, this would be... Ba- if he gets shelled... Because Bailey went on Monday and Plutko went yesterday. And I was like, ooh, if Plutko gets shelled, that's going to be a huge lift for me. And of course, the opposite happened. I also sat Danny Santana. He's been slumping. They were you know, on the road for the first three games this week. And uh, he had a home run, which was unfortunate. I did have Senzel, who had a home run in the steal yesterday. And I think you should be kind of nervous about our Vlad-Senzel bet. I,
1: I just uh, actually looked at that. It's pretty neck and neck,
0: right? Yeah, but you're the one paying two to one on it. So yeah, you got, yeah. you got to be nervous. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I've made a couple mistakes. I, you know, I don't know. It's tough. I'm trying to just do everything right, and uh, it's a lot of work, too. Like, the Fab, for the main event, I'm in first place. I'm only in, like, 40-something in that one. I don't... I just lost Jose Ramirez. I had to drop him, my first pick. Oh,
1: I thought of you. I thought that... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I lost Gallo, too, my right.
0: best home run hitter, but I'm yeah. still making moves, you know, people you know, in... is dealing most of the time, and Garrett Cole's dealing, and I, you know, I'm still probably, knock on wood, gonna win that league, and I'm trying to, you know, make some noise in the main event, like, move up and get into the you know the top 15 or so in the next couple of weeks but it is so much work to look at the waiver wire and like relearn exactly what's going on with all the teams in baseball you got to be like mm-hmm. who's likely to get benched who's likely to get shut down who's likely to get called up who's likely to be like experimentally getting more bats in September it is just really hard like on Sunday I'm like damn this is, I'm getting sick of it like it's so much research like in the middle of the year there's a few guys and a few situations you have to monitor but like when the roster start expanding and you've got to start anticipating that, it's, it's going to be Sunday's going to be a lot of work. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm glad to be in this position, but I sort of dread every year when I when I was in contention. I remember there's just so much stuff to account for.
1: Yeah, it's so loaded and for football season right now, so concentrated. I'm with you. I'm, I'm actually thankful in a few leagues I don't have a ton of fab left. Um, but yeah, I was I, did, I shot a couple MLB videos, pickups and drops today for Yahoo, and I'm just such in football mode. I had to you know really start looking, looking into it more that I hadn't. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird time of year to be doing that. So I could, uh, I, I feel you with that, but if it makes you feel any better list, the Royals have been by far the worst offense the last month. They're like WRC plus like 67 or something. So that was about as good a start on paper for, for right. Homer Bailey. So. And, and Homer
0: Bailey was good. He beat the Yankees. I think it was a home start. It's going to be harder in Yankee stadium, but I was just like, you know, anyway, it was, you know, it was one of those calls. I mean, so many of these calls And even if I'm wrong, even if the, Smarter overall call would have been pluto which I'm not sure that's true It just happened just after one of the two games. It happened to be that way and it could it could be a lot worse after one more game It's still like a you know 55 45 60 40 call and Right or wrong you're just gonna get a lot of those wrong And I just have been noticing the ones I've gotten wrong so much I've probably gotten a lot of them right also, but I've gotten a lot of those wrong
1: Yeah, I think that's normal. Yeah, you remember the losses more than the wins, but it uh, doesn't make it any less frustrating
0: Kyle oh. Seeger just homered. I, I picked him up. He's, he's active on that fifth-place team. So it's, that's nice. You know, like all these guys just starting to rake.
1: Yeah, I want to see the Dodgers pick, uh, bring up Gavin Lux in September, man. I want to see that guy hit. I it's don't out want to see that.
0: So I've got Corey Move him to
1: second. He can move him to second. That's how, they're, that's how their, uh, their defense aligns best that way. Just leave Seeger alone. But, move him to second.
0: I know. But the problem is that, you know, so I have Seager in both leagues, both the main event and this league. And if Lux plays second – You know, who are they going to DFA Kiki Hernandez? Are they going to DFA Chris Taylor? I mean, all these guys are useful. And I think what they're going to end up doing is just sitting Seager. You know, they're just going to rest guys more. You know, they're just going to give Seager, who's been hurt a lot, some extra days. He'll play, if they have a six game week, he'll play four because they'll just have more parts to move around. It's really just, it's going to be miserable, some of this like playing time stuff, because you really, there's no way to know in advance.
1: Well, it's miserable being a San Francisco Giants fan because it's just obnoxious. I mean, Gavin Lux was like, whoa, we have to move you up to AAA as a 21-year-old. That was like a big, like crazy shock. Dude had a 1230 OPS there. I mean, AAA as a 21-year-old. Uh, I mean, he looks like a future super, superstar. Will Smith, suddenly he's arguably the best hitting catcher in baseball. Like a legit argument for that. It's just, it's crazy. I don't know how they get these these prospects. to do a very good job with them. Um, all right, let's be said, make this one. Quick, but I want to ask you a few things about that preseason th- I brought up. Uh, is it just me or does it not seem like people are really like treating the preseason like it matters a lot? Um, Jimmy G just fading down, down draft boards. I guess this last game was better. Um, my, my sleepers Rashad Penny and Daryl Henderson are becoming much, much cheaper yep. at draft tables big time. Um, same with Damian Harris. All three of my guys, they're just they're much cheaper. Everyone loves Sony Michelle, Chris Carson, and a little bit more confidence with Todd Gurley. And then the Matt Breida situation in San Francisco, he's really flying up boards too. So do you have any thoughts on, on those in particular?
0: Well, first off with Matt Breida, I drafted McKinnon with the second to last pick in our draft. And I was like, this is a brilliant pick. And then it was like, he returned to practice. So I'm like, watch him start by like week three. Yeah. And of course he has a setback. And now he's my he's my that first contract,
1: drop. That contract did not go well. That's yeah. Not
0: great. Now he's my first drop. So, you know, that is what it was the 19th round pick. So it's fine. But uh, I agree. I think there's I think there's profit to be made in fading the preseason, I mean, it doesn't mean nothing, but it means a lot less than that. I mean, Jimmy G's not competing for his job. Not yet, at least. It's his job. Like, well, who cares how he plays in the preseason? It's just ridiculous. Who cares what the coach is saying about Dante Pettis? Let's see what happens week one. You know, as far as we know, he's still a starter. So, you know, th- those two guys, you said Penny's gone down the, the list. Everyone's high on Chris Carson, really? You're going to change your ranking of Chris Carson because anything Pete Carroll says? That's crazy. Pete Carroll's just says stuff, crazy stuff all the time. And then Daryl Henderson has gotten cheaper. And
1: Michelle, what are your thoughts of Michelle's situation? Like, you know, because I didn't like I didn't dislike Michelle because I thought he was not gonna look good in uh in August. I disliked him because I was worried about his knee for 18 weeks. You know, that's why I had him ranked where I had him ranked.
0: I like Michelle. I think he's one of those guys that we can look back on who's a total monster, and we're like, of course. They lose. That's Gronk. true. He's
1: probably the favorite to lead the NFL in touchdowns if healthy. I mean, that's for sure. Like that makes sense. I got it. But I guess they could throw it to him more. But okay, so you have turned. You think he looks healthy, so you you, you think that that's someone that you were more confident in than you were a month ago.
0: Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Or or more yeah. that A that he's healthy, and B that, you know, I, I asked this question of Jeff um on the on the XM show, which is like Ronald Acuna, right? And the team that's in fifth place, that was my first pick. And at the time, I you know, I was like, Yeah, it's a good pick. But people are like, Whoa, he's only had four months sample, four and a half months sample. Like, remember Brett Laurie, that, that's a dangerous pick with their first pick. <laughs> And, like, in retrospect, like, Acuna's obvious. Like, he was a superstar. Yeah, he was a monster yeah. prospect, AAA. He already crushed the majors when he, as soon as he came up. He steals. He hits for power. Of course he did this if he stayed healthy. Of course this is what he's going to do. I mean, Acuna, in retrospect, just seems so obvious. People are, like, getting cute and picking Aaron Judge over Acuna in the main event that I was in. Like, are you kidding me? you can take Aaron Judge over Acuna? It's crazy.
1: He'll um, be the number two, right,
0: next year? I think he might be number one on some boards. Oh,
1: you, you, yeah. He I going to run it, a lot but... more
0: than Trout, you know? And so anyway, it, it was just obvious. So it was sort of like, okay, who are the obvious picks who are going to be the obvious football picks in retrospect? Who are we going to look back on and just say, ah, it's so obvious. We should have just, and and I started, I think I might've said Michelle, or maybe Jeff said Michelle, but he's just one of those guys that like in the fourth round, it's like, yeah, it's obviously you take that guy. He's like the starting running back first round pick from the Patriots who pretty much lived up to his billing despite missing a few weeks with a a knee injury last year, and he's good, and they trust him. Like, it was just sort of an obvious pick.
1: Offensive Um, line, dominant. Offensive line, obvious scheme, and everyone, yeah, team should play with the lead. I hear you.
0: Yeah, and they play weak, you know, in-division opponents, they can run over. You know, it's sort of like who are the other players that are like, oh, well, of course I should have taken this guy. What was I even thinking? And that's – that was sort of the subject of like, who are the obvious guys in re- like Juju to me, obviously you got to take Juju. I mean, Antonio Brown's gone. Juju's already really good. He's going to get a ridiculous amount of targets. His QB in him. There's no, there's no uh, change or issue or mystery with that. I mean, how can you, how can Juju, he's my wide receiver too. How can you not take <laughs> Juju? He's in his prime. He's young. He's maybe even getting better. To me, that's like when he leads the NFL in yardage and catches you're going to be like, obviously I should have taken him.
1: Yeah, he's my four. i no, no argument there. I did some drafting um, running backs there. But uh, yeah, he's, he's absolutely going to be a monster. You know that we have Michelle in League of Leagues to go along with Zeke, Barkley, uh, Beckham, Cooper, and OJ Howard. That's pretty sick for a 14-team league after we're dominating baseball, too. Although it's getting closer. I think we'll have like a 15-point league. But uh, yeah, Michelle, if he's a monster, too, to go along with Barkley and if Zeke returns, that's not a bad foundation.
0: No, it's nice. I like it. Um, so, yeah. So I, I, that was sort of the exercise. Like, O.J. Howard is another one. Obviously, O.J. Howard is yes, going to go crazy. That would be the obviously. guy, and I'm
1: reaching for him in every obviously league. Obviously, he's, he's going to he go
0: crazy. Like, yeah. what, I, was, I, I didn't want to take him in the fourth round, but I would have taken Kittle there, no problem, or Ertz there. What was I thinking? like Obviously, Joe, uh, O.J. Howard is going to be great. He just has you know, if he's healthy. It, well, always, I'm the crazy guy, by the way. Ranked him ahead
1: of and, and in a draft took him ahead of Zach Ertz. So that's how crazy I am on him. So I'm with you. I think it's very obvious.
0: Yeah, like some of these players that you're like, of course I should have taken him. And I I think there's a bunch of them. I mean, I think Mahomes, oddly enough, is one of those where it's like, you know, the first pick in the third round and he's still there. And you're like, no, I don't want to take a quarterback. I I always wait on quarterback. And you're going to be like, obviously I should have taken Mahomes.
1: So where would you take him in a super flex if you're in a draft super flex, which I'm in right now in my home league? We added a super flex because it's just crazy not to these days. Where would you take, where do you think Mahomes should have gone?
0: I mean, I think he should go 1 1 in a super flex, but I think that because of the market for quarterbacks is still undervalued, he should go later. You know, if you take him 1 1, you know, they're going to take running backs the next five picks. And the second quarterback's probably not going to go to the second round, even though I think Watson and Mayfield should be first round picks in a super flex. But because they won't be, you can't be the guy taking the 1 1. I still think Mahomes is the first round pick in a super flex, probably. But but maybe not. I mean, if people aren't going to take you know Mayfield and Watson until the third round, then you don't really want to take Mahomes in the first. So
1: it he was... went tenth. He went tenth, and Watson went mid second, and then Mayfield went mid third.
0: I think that's probably right. I think that's probably. I think mid third is a steal for Mayfield in that format. But that, that was my wife actually. Oh really? Well, good, good job for Carly. Nice job. Nice pick. But the, but the point is that. You know, there's two considerations when you're auctioning, right? There's one, or drafting. One is, what's the player worth in terms of, like, his output per over-replacement? And then two is, what does the market say about players at his position? And I've been, you know, I've I did. We have, I've said this a million times as example, but in that Yahoo Friends and Family League, when everyone used to wait on pitchers, I wanted to take Linsicum in his peak at pick six. But I was like, no, because Sabathia, my number two pitcher, wasn't going to go to round three or four and I didn't want to be the lone guy with the pitcher in round one and everyone else is getting all these pitchers cheap. So I took Ryan Braun instead, even though but if you do the math, I thought the pitcher was more valuable.
1: Does it matter at all to you, though, if, it, if that player does not come back to you? Does it matter if you pick him at pick one or pick 14? Do you get what I'm saying? If the player's not coming back to you, does it matter?
0: Yeah, I think it does because I still think it does because it, it's just you're, you're investing less let's say, let's say I'm picking him at, at pick one, let's say I pick six, right? And I'm like, no, I don't want to take him because that position's undervalued by everybody. But pick seven on the way back gets him in the second round, one pick before me. You know, at that point, you say, okay, yeah, you're, it's an undervalued position, but you're getting this guy, at such a discount uh, versus his production that no problem, I'll, I'll take this, you know, undervalued position. So but it, it does matter. I mean, if you're paying a first-round pick, the opportunity cost is huge. If you wait a whole round, the opportunity cost, especially from one to two, which is such a significant drop-off in, say, auction dollars, the, you know, it's, it makes a huge difference. So, yeah, even if he doesn't come back to you, I don't think you take him unless, A, his production over replacement is big enough, and, two, you think the room will, will push up the QBs. And I just don't think they do. Every single time I'm in these leagues – there's always like at the end of the draft, somebody gets like Matthew Stafford for two bucks, Andy Dalton for a buck. And you're like, dude, this is a QB flex. These guys should be going for seven, eight, nine, ten bucks. And yet they're there for a couple of bucks just because nobody budgets for the QBs. Because they're used to playing one QB leagues where you don't have to. And it's just a it's just a habit. And there's it's, there's no rational basis for it. It's just they're we talked about uh last week, like their anchor, like they're their idea of what a quarterback's worth is sort of their anchoring bias, which makes everybody wait on QB even in the two, even in the QB flex.
1: Yeah. So, this, like I said, this is the first time we did this in this league, and the guy who picked first waited on his quarterback, didn't take one with his fifth pick. And like 19 went by the time his next pick came and he's starting, you know, Nick Foles and Joe Flacco. So it was, it was an Epic run, like something like 19 of the you know quarterbacks. So it is definitely different a more of a wild West. I'm not used to all the super flexes or auctions. So, or most of them I'm in. So definitely, uh, definitely different. And uh, you're right. It's tough to, to t- It seems like a whole round can, you know, make, it seems like you're, you're losing a lot of dollar values. Like for instance, Ben Roethlisberger went, and then Jacoby Brissett went literally the next round, the same team. So, you know, that would seem like a big, drastic drop-off there.
0: It's really hard to time runs, though, in drafts. You know, it's just yeah. a guess. I don't yeah. – maybe people have a feel for it, but sometimes you get lucky and you're like, "Woo, I just got that. That was perfect timing. Sometimes you're like, mm-hmm. oh, dude, I got screwed. And sometimes you, you think you're doing the cautious thing and taking the guy, and then nobody takes one for, you know, two rounds. And you're like, ah. Oh. Right. You know, you think you're, like, getting ahead of the run. yeah that's annoying too for sure you don't you know you don't control what other people do and there's only so much you can predict especially in like an auction with qb flex where it's not like a one qb league where you know exactly how drafts go because there's just so many of them these are a little different you're sort of in uncharted territory
1: yeah i think it's definitely more fun i'm glad we did it um so I got lists. I know you're hungover um, just in the, in the entertainment side. I'm catching up on more Eric Andre show again. So funny. I mean, Jack Black Black literally gets high on whippets and then does an interview. The Paulie D one is just so funny. And I, I did see the sauce. Yes. What that man does to uh, to the the Sopranos sauce is uh, is not right, as you put it. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Um, right? Very funny, very very funny. Yeah. And then uh, I, the first two episodes of The Righteous Gemstones, the new Danny McBride show on HBO, very intriguing. And I um I am, uh, definitely would say I would recommend that through two episodes. Uh, you got anything list in that front or uh or politics? You haven't you haven't given any crazy takes in a while.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'll just say one thing about politics or more about news. And uh, I really don't like this guy. This, this guy, he's on Twitter. He's got a website. His name's Ben Hunt. He's super annoying, and he's a his writing is super annoying, but he does say some smart stuff. So I'm a little conflicted and even, I I give him credit for this idea because I I read it on his site, but the guy's super annoying. Like I, I like actually dislike him. I, I can't even follow him on Twitter, but he has good ideas sometimes. And one of his ideas is that, um, he calls it fiat news. Like, you know, as opposed to like, you know, gold, there's fiat currency issued by fiat of the ruler or the government, you know, so the the dollars printed, you know, by fiat, you know, it used to be the king could print money or the government, you know, the, The Fed can print money, so it's fiat currency. And he calls it fiat news. And he says, and I I totally agree with this, when you're watching fiat news, ask yourself, and fiat news is like New York Times, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, all all this mainstream news that we consume. Ask yourself, why is this article in front of my face? Why is this story being reported? Because if you think about it, there's millions of stories going on in the world at any given time. You know, you could report on yellow vests in France extensively, but they don't seem to report on that. They report on more of the stuff going on in China. You know, they, they choose what they report on and what they focus on and how they focus on it and, like, what the tone is. And he basically says, and this is spot on, if you, if you see any article or any news story, ask yourself, why am I seeing this now? Why do they want me to see this? In what way are they trying to influence me by this story?
1: I like that, and it's just—I guess it probably. Would be, my answer would just be it brings me to you know Google algorithm is basically how I how I'm going to end up there. And um, yeah, I know you're asking maybe even a deeper meaning, but um, even on yeah, I don't know. What do you well, what do you make of it, Liz?
0: No, I, I mean I think when I see a story and it's like <laughs> just to be yeah no yeah I mean I, yeah that's I, I, scary. It's, like, it's scary like, when you say Trump the New York, said I mean, so I, and so, and I'm like yeah they want me to think they want me to be outraged by what Trump said. Because I'm outraged. A, I'm reading the article. and I'm clicking, so that's giving them, you know, attention and clicks. But I'm also um, against anybody who's anti-establishment, against somebody who isn't doing. You know, Trump is pretty friendly to the banks and the corporations, so it's not like he's some. He's not really dangerous like Bernie or especially Tulsi, who's going to like undermine the, you know, the whole military-industrial complex. Somebody they really hate. But it's better for them if anyone deviating from like the sort of way you're supposed to behave according to them. You know, that you don't like them. And it, it, to me, and and dividing people along like race lines and being like, this person's a racist. This person, the people who like this person are racist. They They want you to feel like these people are racist. And if you're with, you know, if you agree with them, then you're a racist. And it's really bad to be a racist. So I don't want to be that. And they want to make race like you're so conscious of everybody's race. You got to be conscious of everybody's race. It's not like, People are just people. No, it's everybody, like, that's the foremost thing. You know, and and you think, like, they're always trying to divide the public because, in my opinion, I think the oligarchs have printed money and made off with the spoils and inequality is getting worse and worse. And it's much better if we're fighting each other on you're a racist or, uh, you know, dividing people along race or insulting people. And that, that serves them. And so, you know, that's just one very small example. But whenever you see a news story in New York Times or on CNN or on Fox, you say, why do they want me to see this? What yeah, it, what's your most people think like this is actually oh they just want to report the truth, but they don't an agenda
1: behind it You're saying there's a there's more to it. There's an agenda
0: Well, I just think like they selectively rep- of course they, even even if they were at their best Reporters choose which stories to report and editors and you know the newsroom chooses what to report even at its best It's most benign. They're making choices of what to show you and what not to bother with that's it even it's most benign but when it's not benign, and you have these organizations where you know you have these multi-billion-dollar uh, companies that are owned by even bigger companies, you know NBC is owned by Comcast, and you know the guys on the board of Comcast, what other boards are they sitting on, and how much money is everybody making? You know, it's not going to really, it's not going to be benign. It's going to be what serves their interests. And so, why are they showing you this? And once you look at it with that skeptical eye, you don't take it at face value. I, I, I'm honestly dubious about almost anything. That's being reported, and the only way I can counter that is is just by being on Twitter and finding you know a few voices that I've vetted over time that I'm like, not perfect, but this guy is you know his agenda is to get the truth out, um, or maybe his agenda is to take on the establishment and he's got a personal vendetta and he's got a bias, but at the same time like that makes him even more scrupulous about doing it right, unlike the way they're doing it. And you follow some people that you find reliable. And you you have an idea of what's probably going on based on the actual evidence, not based on the conclusions that these people are drawing. And the Mueller report was a great example. Like the people that I trusted that were most reliable were all saying, this is I don't want to say for sure this is BS, but this is probably BS. And of course it turned out to be BS. And they still and you know the mainstream media was was pushing this agenda, but the people that I trusted were actually like, well, what's the actual evidence? And they were like, I don't see the real evidence, so I'm not gonna go along with this. Narrative that's being so powerfully pushed from all directions. So that's just another example of it.
1: Yeah, no. Finding the right your right the right source you trust is would be is very important. I was just reading a a very in depth thing about how Jeffrey Epstein Epstein coverage was just really poor and like I guess he's donated a ton of money to the New York Times in the past and all kinds of just crazy shadiness. But yeah, man. And you you think you have found a pocket of people that you trust and it is the right the right, the right way to get, uh, to get your coverage.
0: Right. I mean, I trust them enough and I, I find sources for different things that I trust. And again, the, the most trustworthy ones are, are skeptical. So they're not saying like Glenn Greenwald, do I trust, you know, a ton, even though I totally disagree with them on a lot of things. I trust him a hundred percent on like, you know, things like reporting, like the Russiagate stuff. And he was like, I don't see the evidence. And people are calling him a Putin puppet and a Trumper, and he hates Trump. But it, it, it's just, he was like, I don't see the evidence for this. And he knows from the Iraq War and other things where he was on the same side as the media, that the media would just put, you know, he was on the Iraq War side. But I mean, you know, when it was like, you know, George Bush was the bad guy. They're willing to fudge if it, you know, enhances their careers, if if the producers is going to get promoted. And all the people that promoted the Iraq War, by the way, got promoted you know, David Frum is like running the Atlantic, or no, Jeffrey Goldberg's running the Atlantic. David Frum is like promoted for this other, you know, what the hell he does. I, I mute all those guys because they're so, they're so discredited. But these guys all got promoted. Their careers took off after promoting the Iraq War, which is such a disaster. And so, you know, it, it's like, it's, it's just the incentives of these guys is, to, is, to, is not to get it right. It's just to do whatever the, you know, whatever way the wind blows, that, that's the incentive. And so, um, yeah, you got to find people who are not like that.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. All right, man. Good stuff, Liz. I'm looking forward to next week. We've got to crush the super contest. Uh, I've already been checking out the lines, man. Get get your shit together. Bring your A game this year. Let's do this,
0: dude. I'm serious. I'm not messing around. I'm going to win this NFBC. It's hoping for the main event, but I'll settle for the online and then we're going to win the super contest and that's it. That's, That's it. That's all. Yeah. 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 That's all I'm done. asking. I'm not greedy. Done and done. Done I'm not and greedy. done. Yeah, yeah. I'm not
1: asking for too much.
0: I'm not greedy to ask for the main event, the online, and the super contest. No. This is what I, I'm entitled to this. All right,
1: <laughs> you man. Are you are entitled. All right, let's get to good, right. good times, man. Take all it right. easy, man. Later, Later, Later man.